the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. If you're speaking the truth that God has revealed, if it's on your lips and you're presenting that to the people, people will respond to that truth and say, hey, give me a little advice here. Based on the truth that you're teaching and speaking. And then it says this, for he, that is the Levite, he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. You want to make sure you understand that the Levite's in this position, not because the Levite chose it. God says, this is the job you're going to do. This is the task you're going to do. Your job's there to reveal my will, my revelation, my word to the people. Therefore, by default, you're a messenger of the Lord. That word messenger, anybody know else how that's translated? Angel, that's the word angel means messenger. Okay, so some people want to argue that Malachi's name means my angel. Okay, I might call my little girl that, but I don't know. Anyway, my granddaughter. Okay, so, so he lays out here what they had done, what they were called to do, the Levite, how they fulfilled it. Now comes the indictment against the Levites now. But you have turned aside from the way. What way? The way it was supposed to be. The way these guys were supposed to be doing it. The way they had been doing it. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. Oops. I mean, you've been teaching the wrong thing. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so... I have made you despised and abased, that is of low reputation, before all the people, since you did not keep my ways, and since you, because but, you showed partiality in your, you didn't teach the whole truth, you gave pieces of it that fit your agenda, okay? You didn't follow the example that was laid out in these fellows. Your instruction actually did the reverse Instead of moving people from iniquity, from sin to righteousness, your your teaching actually caused them to sin. And you showed partiality. Because of that, the people are not going to hold you in high regard, and you'll be despised. So the Levites, if you will, self-deceivingly, claimed the privileges of this covenant, of this blessing, while neglecting the conditions of it. They acted like as if God, they owed them a blessing. Well, they were free from any obligation at all. 
to revere him and serve him the way he had said. Practical application. Okay, in a general sense, first of all, no one can serve God without revering his name. Can't be done. I have said this before. In a general context, you can't receive from anyone you do not honor. It's from my Life Lessons Journal. Okay? So one of the problems when teenagers begin to dishonor their parents, they don't listen to their parents because they don't give honor and revere them. Therefore, they cannot receive from it. You can't serve God and hear him when you don't honor him. Okay? If you refuse to honor him, he'll remove or bind any blessing. That's in the broadest sense we can apply this. Okay? I want to be specific now, and I'm going after my own kind. Okay, I am a teacher, preacher, pastor. Okay, that's what God has me doing. So now I'm coming against me and those like me. That is specifically would be here to pastor teachers, the Levite. Now, Jesus is our high priest. This passage never mentions the high priest. Never even names one. Okay, those who are serving, in particular those who... Instruct, teach. Okay? The primary duty of a pastor, pastor teacher like a Levite, okay, is to teach the people the word of God. Okay? This does come a little bit, it does say something a little about, about the American congregation, though. Okay? Because we will measure more whether a pastor showed up at my kid's game than we will whether he actually truthfully exposited the Word of God. Okay? The pastor's primary job is not public relations, not administration, not making sure you're taken care of. Go to Acts chapter 6. That's what deacons are for. Matter of fact, the apostles said, wait a minute, should we neglect the study of God's Word and prayer to go take care of widows? Could you imagine that? Pastor, Pastor, my Uncle Ed's in a hospital with COVID. Can you go visit him? I probably can't because of COVID. But let me, man, should I give up the study? Of God? Imagine what would happen in an American world if a pastor said that. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go visit if they let you in. And I'm going to go pray, all right? But I want you to understand the primary task of a pastor, lead elder, whatever term you call it, is to preach the word of God. Okay? That pastor teaches under obligation to the congregation to teach the truth of God's word and God's word only without partiality. You don't skip parts. The truth. But that pastor teacher is obligated before God to teach the truth. So he's obligated to the congregation to preach the truth of God and the truth of God only. But primarily he's obligated to the one who gave him the job. God Almighty. Be careful, Pastor. Uh, don't let your obligation to the people cause you to forget to whom you are ultimately responsible. Because when I do that, I start preaching what you want to hear instead of what God said. But that has to be the truth. Let me read to you a couple scriptures. I have a whole bunch, but I'm not going to do them all, about the responsibility a pastor teacher has. Hebrews 13 and 17. Now, it says this, obey your leaders and submit to them. But look at this. There's, there's a reason for that. They keep watch over your souls as those 
who will give an account. Who will give an account? The pastor teacher. That's why you bring reverence to the pastor teacher is because of that weighty responsibility. So that they may do so, that is the pastor teacher, with joy, not with groaning, for this would be unhelpful for you. Before you send that email today, please read that. James 3 and 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we, that teacher, will incur a stricter judgment from God. Okay? When, when, when I stand before God, or a Levite stands before God in the end, He's held accountable for the blessed place where God has placed him. The ministry he's got. You got a whole nother judgment coming there. Get a DUI. Please don't. Okay, as a common citizen. Get one as a police officer and see what happens. You see what I'm saying? God says there's, there's a different accountability I give to the preacher teacher. Because the souls of the people are in balance. So when those Levites taught him something that moved him to sin, I feel sorry for the Levite. Okay? If you don't take this responsibility, preacher, if you do not take this responsibility with the weightiness that God intended, if what you're teaching isn't the truth of God, it's twisted for your own purposes to build your own kingdom, God will curse your blessing. He will curse the literal calling on your life. What you came into all excited about when you went to seminary and we're going to be a preacher of the gospel, now it's a weight, it's a burden. I won't even tell you about the statistics, about depression and so on in preachers. In a July 2019 okay, AP poll of 1,137 adults, among those who attend church once a month, they said 42% of them, only 42% of them, had a positive view of pastors. Right on the same level with lawyers. Yeah, be debased among the people. In a 2020 Gallup poll, about the least respected jobs and un, most untrustworthy professions. Only 39% said that clergy are very high in their honesty and ethics. And I had it in a, bar, a graph, but I forgot it at home. I mean, since 1979, you ought to watch the graph. It goes up and down a little bit, now it's down here. Why is that? Because pastors stopped preaching the truth of God's word without partiality. 15% ranked them very low in their honesty and ethics. Thank you, Jim Baker. Just, just slightly above nursing home operators and just below chiropractors. But you've got to recognize this. It isn't just the pulpit. Because 40% of those that go to church at least once a month said they would welcome a gay pastor. Let me suggest to you the reason they would do that because the guy in the pulpit ain't preaching the truth. There's a church not far from my house. They put the rainbow out. Uh, I'm not going there. 
Okay? In a 2019 survey in July, and I have footnotes if you want to know where these come from, okay? Those who attend a church at least once a month, 13% actually consult the pastor or seek that knowledge when they have major decisions to make. 56% said they rarely or never. That's 69% of the people that are in church more than once a month. You know, it used to not be that way. Okay? Part of it was the education level of pastor in those days. Not, not, well, I'm not going there. I'll leave it. Okay? 1 Timothy 6 and 3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine, teaching, and does not agree with the sounds, sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, and the teaching that was in accord with godliness have nothing to do with him. I don't care what nice programs they have, how comfortable the pews are, how talented the worship is. Flee! 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, he talks about these destructive heresies brought in by these false teachers. Many will follow their sensuality. Many of the people will follow their, the teacher's, sensuality, running on feelings. I watched a famous preacher on a video two weeks ago talking about we don't know that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead because of the Bible, because the Bible has mistakes. We know it because of our experience and we feel it. Okay? And because of the way of truth in them is blasphemed. It's blasphemy. Because you're saying God said when he didn't. First, 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15 talks about these false teachers. But it says that they will disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. They will come looking real religious and they'll make it sound good. They'll look like light when they're really darkness. Galatians 1, 7 through 10. They distort the gospel of Christ. Verse 8. But even if we, or an angel, we, Paul's talking about his ministry team. If our ministry team comes, or an angel comes from heaven. Angel is what word? Messenger, there you go. Should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he should be accursed or anathema. Now let me tell you, I've got the book in my house from the preacher. First problem, lady preacher. We'll leave that alone, okay? Comes on, tells you this, that Christ did not finish the work on the cross. Christ had to go to hell, be tortured by Satan and the demons to atone for your sin. That is a different gospel. So when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, I guess he didn't mean it. As we have said before and say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you have received, he is accursed. For I am not, for am I, question, rhetorical question, for am I seeking the favor of men or God? Too many preachers are seeking the favor of men. Or am I striving to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 
Before you're too hard on the preacher, let me ask, why would Paul say, am I trying to please men or God? Well, go with me, and you've heard it before in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For a time will come, I suggest is here, that they, the people, will not endure sound doctrine. I could take you right now, go to their Facebook page, their ministry page. Well, we don't do doctrine because doctrine divides. Yeah, truth always divides. Falsehood from truth. They don't do doctrine, but it says here they, the people won't endure sound doctrine, teaching, but wanting their ears tickled. My grandson, I get close to him, I whisper in his ear, my little beard tickles. Well, it feels good, right? That's what that means. We'll make something to make them feel good. They will accumulate for themselves. Did you notice that? Who's doing the accumulating? The people. They're going to create a big pile and get a bunch of them of these teachers. In accordance to their own desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth. And will turn aside to myths. No, hang on. See, we, I, I'm telling you now, the pe- preachers are wrong. The preachers are bringing, making their own ministry become a curse in their life because they won't do it. But I'm telling you now, the people are piling up these preachers because that's what they want. 40,000 of them on one Sunday in one of the largest churches in America. That's a guy who says you can't have sin, can't talk about sin in his church. Starts every Sunday sermon with a joke. Yeah, there's that reverence for you. Mm. I'm going to give you an example of this, and it's not my notes, but I'm going to give you an example. Of this. I'm in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 15. Context, context, context. Scriptures like real estate. Real estate's location, location. Well, location, location, location. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. I'll say what? Doesn't that bring division? Who am I to judge? tell him his fault between you and him alone. Please notice that. Let's not talk to four others first. Make sure they agree. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Notice the repetition of the word two or three. Okay. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Imagine me standing up here and says, I'm going to use Glenn as an example. Uh, I've talked to Glenn. The elders have talked to Glenn. Glenn's in this sin and he refuses to listen. Well, that makes a good Sunday church, doesn't it? That's Christ's own words. Remember, if you're not going to pay attention to Jesus' sound Words, sound doctrine. Okay. Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Paul does this when there's a fellow in the church having relations with his father's wife, probably a stepmom, and Paul has him thrown out of the church. Okay, in Corinthians. Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind, didn't we just talk about a word that means that? Okay. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. If somebody's preaching to you, you can bind the devil, run. That's not the context of that verse. That's church discipline. Besides, if you can bind him, Jerry, would you keep him? I don't want him out next week. 
If you could bind Satan, why do you ever let him go? You just think about it a minute. Now watch it. Here's another verse taken way out of context. And I say to you again, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it shall be done and my Father in heaven will give it to you. In the context of church discipline. In other words, God said, I'm going to back you up, church. When you follow what I say about disciplining somebody within the body claiming to be a Christian, maybe they are, in sin. When you do that, I'm behind you. Heaven and earth is behind you. Okay? For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. See, we can have church at home. There's two of us. Don't twist God's revealed word. It's blasphemy. Now, is God here right now? Uh Uh-huh. If you're home alone and you get out of bed in the morning, can you still pray? Is God still there? Yep, you don't need another person. The context here of two or three is that witness that established that, yes, this person's in sin, and God's going to back the church up when it does that. I, I I just wonder, I don't know, how many churches today meeting here, around the world, okay, or yesterday in other parts of the world, all right? Somebody in the congregation is sitting there, and these two people are shacked up, living together. I guess I use an old phrase. Hooked up, whatever the term is today. And the church leadership doesn't do anything about it. You're doing the same thing when they were bringing those unclean animals and you didn't tell them the truth that they were in sin. Oh, yeah I, I, yeah, I don't care who I said. They'll still send me the emails on that one. Those three particular verses, two or three gathered together, you ask, okay, you bind. I have heard those taken out of context so many times. We have, I have an obligation to tell you the truth about those verses. I have an obligation before God, and I have an obligation to you. So two things. Put it on the Levite, the preacher side. He has been. He's been showing partiality. He skips the parts that doesn't fit with his belief. Okay? Or maybe you're the congregant, the person who once came to church. Well, I didn't, I, I wanted to go out feeling good and encouraged, and all he did was talk about sin. I got the same answer for both of you. Listen and take heart. Let me put it another way. Repent. Yeah, I'm talking to preachers who need to repent. Because they began to preach to the audience what they wanted, to scratch their ears instead of recognizing their accountability to God for their calling, not people. Then to the congregation, the person, when you walk out of here today, you go, man, that didn't make me feel good. Get on your knees and repent. Okay? Because when you call upon preachers to do this, you, I'm serious, you tempt their flesh to get them to compromise the word of God because you want to feel good. You need to repent. What's repent mean? You get on your face before God and say, I'm sorry, God, I had it wrong. Work in me to change. Help me get excited, God, when I get to that passage and it says this particular part that women aren't supposed to teach and have authority in the church. I don't cave to the culture. Give me the strength, God, that I have joy when I preach that in your word. Oh, yeah, and by the way, God, let the women in the audience rejoice when they hear God's word too. Okay? We, 
whether it's in the pulpit or in the pew. The disaster that we see in our country is because we have stopped wanting and stopped preaching the truth of God's word. So we look to, if we get the right guy elected, that'll solve it. No, it doesn't. Not until that guy stands up in in his State of the Union address, opens up this book and starts reading. Oh, could you imagine? Okay? Could you imagine? But that just divides. Well, praise God. It divides sheep sheep from goats. Because someday, we're all going to stand before God, and he's going to divide. His children... Those who aren't his children, these will be cast into an eternal lake of fire. How do I know that? The Word of God says so. The others will go into blessed glory to enjoy God forever. That's about as divisive as you can get. Eternity that way. Man, I got hot today, didn't I? I'm sorry. Repent. That's my call to you. If you find yourself on the opposing side of this message today, whether a congregant or a preacher, repent. Let's stand and pray. God, I thank you that you revealed who you are in your word. God, when I go there, I'm confronted with the sinfulness of myself. My evil desires are confronted when I see you in that book. God, I thank you that you revealed yourself in that book. Thank you, God, that you confront my sin, that I can turn to the cross of Christ and watch my sin get washed away. God, I thank you for your word, for in it is life and peace. Father, I call upon the preachers today that you would move in them, that they would have a heart to come back to the word, that the blessing of their calling will return as they get back to the truth, the instruction of God as you revealed yourself to your people. God, bring conviction upon those who sit in the pew this day and say, when I wanted my ears scratched, I, I had a hard week, I wanted a few. Father, let them rejoice, change their heart that they rejoice at the word of God. When we do that, God, we'll see your mighty hand. We might even have revival in our country. But God, more than that, your blessings, not financial ones, will be released from the place they have been pinned in. And there will be new life in us as your Holy Spirit speaks to us through your word. I give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.